welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 139 for Saturday the 9th of February 2019. And coming up in the diary this week, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry, and it's certainly been one of those weeks. It's curtains for some of my paperbacks. I'll explain why I did what I did. Covers and edits have been booked in until the end of the year. I'll give you an update on that. And it's official. I've written a book in three weeks flat. Now on to the next one. Okay, so a slightly different start to this week because we've had a a bit of a life-changing event this week. And it was one of those weeks where life kind of went haywire. And I was trying to decide whether I was going to mention this on the diary or not, or to couch it in vague terms. But I've decided to tell you what happened because it's kind of uh, an example of whatever we plan however much we sketch out whiteboards and things like that, uh, sometimes life rudely intrudes and gets in the way. Last Saturday, my wife's dad died at the age of 83. Now, we'd had a health scare before uh, Christmas, before we went to Spain at the beginning of December, and we thought we'd lost him then. And um, as it turned out, it was a a problem with heart um, that was rectified. Uh, When we went to Spain, he was in, in rude health and awaiting a uh, an operation in the new year, which he had, and that operation was successful. But last Saturday, uh, old age and uh, ailments kind of got the better of him. He had another episode and he didn't make it this time. So um, over the weekend and throughout this week, we've been up in Scotland. Uh, we've been organising the funeral and the funeral will be next Thursday. So, um, you know, life this week has been juggled around uh, that event. And of course, that's meant some disruption to my writing plans. So this week, uh, we, we, we learned about the death because we're two and a half, three hours away. Um, and there's nothing you can do uh, at the weekend. You know, the, the nothing opens until, until Monday. So we stayed here until Monday morning. We were straight up the road on the Monday. Um, and then, uh, you know, make, doing all the organization, registering the death, sorting out the funeral and all of that. And we had a very, uh, you know, productive um, two days, uh, mainly because my wife's dad is incredibly organised and had one of these co-op funeral packages. And, and it was almost as simple, dare I say, as handing over a certificate and saying, this is what he wanted. Uh, it's all kind of paid for. So uh, I am going to have a word with my mother and my wife and I are going to sort out these plans because uh, compared to when my dad died um, and, and the experiences we've had this week, um, it has been so much easier having one of these plans in place. It removes a heck of a lot of stress for the people who have to deal with all of this. Um, so we sure as heck, when this is all over, are going to be looking at making our own plans now uh, just to make sure that's sorted. So anyhow, that's not what this is about, this podcast. I just really wanted to tell you that because I wanted to give you some context as to why things have changed slightly this week, uh, for obvious reasons, and how I'm going to course correct. Now, this relates very much to a book that I keep recommending to you on this podcast, one of my favourite books by Brian Tracy, and it's called Flight Plan. And this is what I mean when I talk about Flight Plan, is that we have all these aims, these objectives, these points that we're trying to achieve. And then sometimes we have to make a course correction. We have to change very slightly because we're maybe blown off course. Maybe there's a storm as we've had this week and we have to kind of go higher to divert from the storm. But the destination remains the same. And even with those course corrections, we still arrive back at our our destination or we arrive at our destination. Uh, We may just have had to take some tiny little detours uh, along the way. It's also when I'm doing my plans, when I'm telling you my quarterly plans, I always say to you, I usually qualify it by saying, this is what's going to happen unless I get hit by a bus. And this is one of those, I got hit by a bus scenarios in that it's just something uh, that we can't help. And we have to shuffle life behind it to deal with priorities and then reorganize our time. So, um, I just said I was I wasn't sure whether to share that uh, with you, uh, but I think it's a useful episode because 
this is how real life gets in the way sometimes. You know, you have to stop everything and you have to do what's required. Um, and then sometimes that interrupts our plan. So I just wanted to let you know how I was adjusting around that. So in terms of this week's word count, um, because I knew we, we weren't quite sure when we went up to Scotland, I had it, we packed for a week. I expected to have to, to be up there for the week organizing all of this because I know most recent experience I've had of, of doing all of this was when my dad died and we had to organize all of this and it, and it takes forever. There's, there's so much to do. But as it turned out, we, we were, we were organized within, uh, two days. We were organized by the end of Tuesday. So I thought I was going to, I was going to write a week off for this and then have to go back for the funeral. As it turned out, we managed to get back to Carlisle on Tuesday evening, having done uh, everything. And I explained why that is. It's because my wife's dad had, had sorted out this, this plan. So it made it a lot simpler for us. So what I did on, on Sunday morning was, again, I hadn't got a clue how the week was, how it was going to go. And as far as I knew, I said to my wife, if you need to go up on Sunday, We'll, we'll just drop everything and go up on Sunday, but we were just kind of waiting to see where we were with it. So what I did on Sunday morning is I got up at about five o'clock and I'd written my words by nine o'clock because, um, I wanted to finish the book that I, I, I'd almost finished last week. And then I thought if I finish that book, whatever happens can happen, however long it takes, um, you know, however long we have to wait. Um, for the funeral uh, and then I, I finish that one and then I'll just start the next one whenever we're clear so that was my thinking on Sunday so I got up at five uh, you know my my wife's a sleeper so whatever was going to happen she wasn't going to be up until uh, nine at the weekend uh, clearly she wasn't going into work on those days either uh, you know obviously she didn't do that on Saturday and Sunday and um, so I, I got up early and by the time I went to take my wife a cup of tea I'd written my 5,000 words. So as it was on Sunday, the third, I wrote 5,252 words by nine o'clock in the morning. And that finished book one in my military sci-fi series. So that book is 52,154 words. And I managed to complete it within three weeks, within a three week time period. So that's uh, very surprising to me. I've never done that before. It's quite intense. I did say at the beginning when I was writing, I, I had a, the lurgy at the beginning of the year. Uh, but, but now I have to say I'm back in my stride now. I've, I've hit my word speed. I'm doing my 1000. I'm just it's actually a little bit slower than I was, but I, I'm getting there. I can, I'm, sometimes I'm hitting my 1700 words in an hour kind of target. Sometimes I'm just a little bit slower with it, but uh, I'm getting it all done within a kind of four hour time frame. I'm getting 5,000 words written within my four hour total time frame. So that was Sunday the 3rd. And I said I was keen to just get up really early to do it before everybody else's day had started. And then if we were jumping in the car at 10 o'clock to go up to Scotland, then I, I was clear, I was clear to do it. Um, as it turned out, there was no point going up on the Sunday. Um, you know, there was nothing that could be done, uh, because nothing opened till the, the Monday, there was nothing we could achieve, nothing we could do until then. So we, we went up first thing on the Monday morning. So we were there Monday, Tuesday. Obviously, nothing got done on those days. We were running around, uh, you know, doing all the jobs that are related to the funeral. I mean, that amounted to, to two things. It amounted to registering the death uh, and making the funeral arrangements, which we managed to do in those two days with some family help. Uh, elsewhere so my wife's a an only child her mum died very young and and um, when, when her mum was very young and um so it was a remarriage so there are there are other people to help take the strain as well but essentially it was um my wife's stepmom this gets very complicated isn't it and uh my wife who were organizing it and uh, i was just there as you know to chauffeur and to make sure obviously to offer support to the wife and uh you know to, to assist where i could uh, over the week so we were back on Tuesday. I did a day's work as per normal on the Wednesday. And then on Thursday and Friday, so Friday being today when I'm recording this, I got two writing days in. Now, my wife, because she works part time, decided that she was better off going in to do a four hour shift uh, than she was staying at home. Um, and, and this is kind of a, I guess, a time of life thing. It was very different when my wife's mum died. We were both in our, must have been in our thirties, I think, or, or, or maybe late twenties. I can't remember. It was before we had, well before we had children. 
Um, and um, my wife's mum was 58 when she died. So she died quite young. So it was very sort of sudden and without warning. Um, and clearly, w- when you're at that time of life, when you're a lot younger, uh, parental death is a lot different from what it is at our time of life. You know, when we're we're in our fifties and our parents are in their eighties, uh, it's a it's a different experience. But my uh, my wife, who quite clearly is upset by all of this, decided that she would rather um, go into work uh, for four hours a day because um, she f- figures and she still agrees, having done it, it was better to keep sort of busy. Uh, and active during that time uh, you can either sit around all day thinking about it or you can kind of keep busy because her work is, is is just four hours during the day it's a very pleasant working environment she gets on with her colleagues she felt that actually she benefited from that should have felt very different if it was a full day's work and it was kind of a very stressful I don't know kind of environment for instance I wouldn't have done that in journalism because there was so much kind of stress and activity during the day that wouldn't be a very sensible return to work but um, my wife feels that it's benefited her um, and they've been very very good about the kind of work that she does Um, so she's got a very good employer basically so she was at work on Thursday and Friday which meant that I've just got my writing days done as normal I know this is a long way around of telling you all of this but I just I'm just explaining how we've kind of shuffled this week between us, really. So on Thursday, I wrote 5,039 words. They were the first 5,000 words of book two now. So I've started writing book two. And today, in the last hour, I've written 5,018 words. So I'm 10,000 words now into book two. Book one's finished, 10,000 words into book two. Um, And then I had some flexibility again because I've had to move around next week now. My, I've obviously completely changed the plans. So we're going to have to be back up in Scotland for Thursday, Friday, the funerals on the Thursday. Um, so, you know, clearly those were two days that I would normally do writing. I've had to bump and shift and, and, and jiggle um, everything round, which, of course, you would expect to do. But obviously, my initial targets aren't, are not going to be hit. They can't be hit because of that. So... I had a um, um, a day tomorrow. My wife is due to work tomorrow, but she shortened the day with permission of, of her work. So she doesn't want to be doing full days yet. Saturday is normally a full day. And her Sunday day, again, is just a four-hour day. So she's very happy doing the four-hour days because it kind of keeps her busy, keeps her mind off it. And as far as she's concerned, she says, when I went in on Thursday, um, they were in the middle of a staff meeting and I walked into laughter. And she said, you know, frankly... That's better for me than sitting around, you know, you know, thinking about everything. So um, that's her policy with this. Um, so I wasn't sure whether to do a park run tomorrow or whether to do uh, writing. Uh, but because my wife's doing a shorter day, we've just been discussing it before I recorded this. Um, I'm going to do another park run tomorrow and then I'm going to meet my wife in town for lunch. And then she'll sort of come back um, earlier uh, after her shift and I'll write on Sunday. So I'll get 15,000 words done this week. Now, next week is again is, is a bit of a funny week in that I, I won't be able to write Thursday, Friday. That's not going to happen. Um, I might be able to write Saturday. That really depends on how my wife feels. So Thursday is going to be a grueling day because that's the day of the funeral. Uh, if you've ever been through this, and most of you will have done, it's they're pretty grueling times. Um, and, uh, you know, so Thursday is going to be a difficult day. Um, and then Friday, we, we'll obviously see... Um, my wife's stepmom and 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 then we'll be on our way back to Carlisle not sure whether my wife will be working on Saturday or not so I may do a part run I may write uh, on that day I'm not quite sure yet and I'll be writing next Sunday the the other thing by the way that's been um, knocked out by this of course is that I was planning to start editing my military sci-fi book one on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. And I've been unable to do that. Um, I just gave that up, rescheduled everything. I was all right. I need to come to that uh, kind of with a, a clear, fresh mind. So I've bumped that. I'm not going to start working through the edits on that book now until this coming Monday. So everything's had a little bit of a shuffle. So what's been the knock-on effect of that? Well, I, I, as you would expect, I've kind of gone through the schedule and tried to an, an, anticipate this. But um, I can tell you that um, I've still got, with a week's buffer, um, I've still got a, a week's clear buffer. I have these three books written by the end of March, uh, still, even with this um, kind of you know life um, disruption. I, 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 everything shuffled around. I can still do it. Um, so I will have three military sci-fi books completed, 50,000 worders, by the end of March. So, uh, 
you know, even though uh, life happens around us, uh, everything has been shuffled and, uh, you know, the work, life goes on, the work will continue. And yet we've still managed to create in there, you know, plenty of time to do what needs to be done. So next week's going to be a fairly grueling week. I think probably, um, you know, it's, I, 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 I may only write one day next week. Um, probably I'll only going to write on the Sunday. Um, so it is going to be a, a week that's pretty well clear for taking care of all those arrangements. But when we left on Tuesday, there was nothing that we couldn't do here. And clearly we still have, um, you know, obligations to the child we've still got living at home we can't it's very difficult to disappear for five days on end so um you know that that is the best arrangement for us and we'll go up again as i say for the funeral on the thursday um but this is kind of real life and this is what hits writers all the time you just have to work around this stuff adapt and again just to bring it back to where i started um, Brian Tracy's flight plan is a great book to read if you have things like this um, happening in your life it doesn't have to be anything as drastic as that it could be something as simple as you're ill for a week or you lose your childcare for a week or something like that we just constantly have to adapt behind all of these things that go on around us so that's this week's writing news or, or by writing I mean actually typing, tapping away at the keyboard kind of news. But I, I was feeling pretty proud of myself still uh, on Sunday to think that I got a 50,000 word book written in that time. And my wife's um, now read the book. And uh, I mean, my wife, I mean, she likes, she watches Star Trek with me and things like that, but I, I wouldn't, well, my wife's such an eclectic reader. She reads everything, to be honest with you. But I did say to her, you know, this, this book's specifically, if you think that my secret bunker, my grid, hopefully a mildly cerebral kind of concepts within those books mildly I say use the word mildly they're mildly cerebral um, this military sci-fi I constantly keep twisting the action this is action guns fire fighting you know all, all that kind of stuff so it's quite heavy with kind of marine dialogue and it's got uh if I'm writing a chapter thinking you know what there's not been enough action in this I twist something and we have a bit of action in there so it's very 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 action oriented this this book so I wasn't sure how she'd uh, I, I was going to ask her or suggest to her, don't don't read the thing. Um, but she she volunteered and she's really enjoying it. She's kind of, she really likes it. So um, again, I know my wife is not every reader, uh, but as a first reader, it's always good to know that you haven't read a complete twaddle and that there is a story in there somewhere. So I'm going to start my edits on Monday and we're 10,000 words into story two. And uh, because I've got it planned out, it's been very quick. It's been fairly painless as well. So uh, a few things happened this week. Uh, it's been a busy week, hasn't it? Uh, a few more things happened this week, um, which have allowed me now to pretty well set dates for my rapid releases. So last week I told you that I got another book bub, and that book bub's going to be on the 24th of February. Also, because I've now got more of a sense of these military sci-fi books, I, I now know, as, as you know, I was a bit jittery about this. I now know I can write a military sci-fi novel in three weeks flat at 50,000 words, you know, draft one. Um, I know it could be done. And if you, if you wind way back to my, when I was setting out my goals, I talked to you about the, the four minute mile and, uh, and how until you kind of break through a target, you're never sure whether you could do it. When you break a target, you then set the next one and find you could do right even faster. So to me, having done this now, if ever I'm able to do this full time, I got to say, I'd probably be able to do 5,000 words a day, five days a week. That would still give me two days off at the weekend. And I could produce, be producing 25,000 words a week. And that would give me a thousand, hundred thousand word novel a month or, you know, a 75,000 word novel every three weeks. So it's, it's good for me to have pushed through my natural barrier. And I have to say, it's feeling, it's like exercising a muscle, isn't it? It's feeling more comfortable writing at this rate all the time. Um, I think it was deceptive having the lurgy at the beginning of the, it wasn't the best time to start that new writing schedule, but having pushed through that now, I'm quite happy. Uh, I have to say though, I prefer, given that I work three days a week, I prefer to write three days a week more than, rather than four days. I, I do find it good to have that kind of mental headspace thinking time. Um, if I'm, if I'm working and writing every day, that is a little bit intense 
um, for me. So I've tried to, in re rearranging my kind of park run dates and my writing dates, um, I've done it to try and avoid writing four days in a week that I'm that I've got to go into work as well. Uh, that that's just feeling a little bit too intense for me at the moment. Three three is fine, and I'm getting the words done as well when I when I'm doing that. So anyhow, that's a little bit of a diversion there to the dates then, because I now know I've got this thriller promo with Don't Tell Meg on the 24th of February. I've set um, September at the latest October for the rapid release, the begin of, beginning of rapid release for my thrillers. That might seem a long way off to you, but let me tell you what's determined that date. I did tell you that the date was going to be determined by getting a book bub, and I've got the book bub sooner than I thought, which is great news, which means I could do the thrillers earlier. Now, the purpose of this book bub is to give me the money to put new covers on the five, inverted commas, new thrillers that I'm going to be releasing. So I'm going to have So Many Lies, which is a brand new book that I finished in July that has not been released yet and has not been properly edited yet. So I already had the thousand quid to get that edited. I've booked that in with Helen Fazal and that is going to come back to me. Helen confirmed the dates for me uh, this week because clearly when you have an editor, it's a 90,000 odd word book. Consider it a hundred thousand. It's, uh, it's a, it's a substantial book and it's going to take her some time to do it. So Helen is going to have that back to me. I think it's something like June and then, and then basically it'll be ready by the end of July. It's ready to release at the end of July. Now, the other thing that I did is I contacted Stuart Bache. Now, Stuart did the three new covers for my Don't Tell Meg trilogy, and I want all my thrillers to be consistently branded. So I'm going back to Stuart Bache to get those covers done. And so I contacted Stuart last weekend and said, I want five covers done, similar style, so you're not creating a whole new branding for me, but I am going to need five new covers. And I'm going ebook only, by the way, for reasons which I'll I mention in a moment or two. So ebook only. Now, Stuart uh, got back to me and said he's actually booked up till 2020 with covers. But because um, mine are sort of five in a series and, and the branding's already done. So if those were five independent books and I was messing around with each one and said, oh, the font's not quite right. Can you move it two degrees to the left and all that sort of nonsense? Then it would be a much more substantial piece of work for him to do from a design point of view. But because he's, a, he's got his fonts, he's got his layout, he's got his style, and effectively we're just finding a colorization and we're finding a, a sort of suitable image to match the book that there's a lot less time and work involved for him. It's a lot easier for him to do sort of five covers for me as a job lot. So um, I've got to submit the design briefs to Stuart. Uh, when is it? I think it's the 1st of July, if I remember correctly. Um, so he's not going to have those books done until summer. So basically, um, you know, Helen will have the edit for So Many Lies done. Uh, about July-ish time, and I'll have finished messing around with it, August-y time. Stuart will have the covers done about that time as well. So it's looking to be like September uh, at the earliest or October at the very latest for the thrillers for rapid release. They're all going to get new covers. They're probably going to get new titles, and the um, they're probably going to get relisted entirely like they're from new. So my aim, again... Um, the other advantage of this, I'll, I know that there's so many things going on at the moment, but my, my very loose plan, and this is a loose plan with the military sci-fis because there's something bubbling in the background that may interfere with this, which I'm not going to discuss at the moment. But my loose plan with the military sci-fis is to write three till the end of March, the first three, and then to write seven in the series and to have that seven done by the end of July, but I will commit to the other four towards the end of March. I'm not going to because there's other thing bubbling, bubbling under which may interfere with that. So the three are definitely getting done by the end of March, and then towards the end of March, towards the last minute, I will commit to the next four when I know what's happening with this other thing that shall not be discussed yet, and uh, then I I'll commit then to seven by the end of July. Now. So, still haven't confirmed whether we're collaborating or not on that yet. Um, that's still up in the air. So, either me or my collaborator will be, I'll, if it's me, I'll be rapid releasing those from July, from mid-July. Um, 
the military sci-fis because the first three will be done, covered, sorted, edited, ready to go by then, whatever happens, and then the other four will follow behind them. That's perfectly right for me. So my aim is to have the seven military sci-fis done by July, and I'm expecting to spend from sort of July through September doing a light read of my thrillers. Remember, they've all been edited thoroughly already, but by a light read, I mean... I haven't really sold many of those standalone thrillers, which is why I'm relaunching them. I never really kind of had a strategy for that, um, which is why it makes sense to relaunch them, to try and get some eyeballs on them. As I said, you know, again, as you know, I've made my money over the past year from Don't Tell Meg virtually exclusively, but also from the grid, from the, from the book bub ad. So I've written fewer books, made more money. And that's only because of book bub. So um, seven uh, new books written by the end of July, potentially. Then over the summer, my aim is to go through my standalone thrillers, look at the little feedback I've had because I haven't sold very many of them, to make any adjustments that I need to make based on that feedback, to give them new titles, to relist them, and to put the new Stuart Beige covers on them, and then to get them all stacked up ready for rapid release from September. So potentially, we're going to have two rapid releases going on. Uh, if all of this comes to fruition, we're going to have the seven military sci-fis that start maybe, hopefully, about July sometime. And, and, and then, so that, that will be well underway by the time we hit the thrillers, and the thrillers will start. I want the thrillers sort of well on the way over Christmas, to be honest with you. So uh, they'll start um, September and October and off we'll go and uh, they'll all have new covers on them and hopefully we'll kind of uh, get get a better audience that those standalones deserve. And depending on how the thrillers go, I, this is very complicated, I confuse myself sometimes, it does all make perfect sense. What I, you know, depending on how these go, I mean, they might fall flat. Nothing might happen. It might do any. It might not be any good to me at all. It, you know, it just might be. Oh, here I am. I've rapid released them, and still nobody's reading them. So, so who knows how that's going to work out? We'll we'll find that out when we do it, won't we? But um, if that's not the case, say if say the thrillers went well, um, I could also um, rapidly write, as I have done with the military sci-fi's, um, a couple of thrillers before Christmas as well, and just add that to the tail end of the rapid release so you know add an, an extra couple at the end that weren't scheduled um or with the military sci-fis again in september if they were going well i could bang a couple of you know another trilogy out of the back of that to make the most of it so y- hopefully you can kind of see the logic of this i'm looking for what gets traction first my only problem is that they both get traction but you know again i said last week pigs might fly they both get traction uh that that'll be fab and that's a nice problem to have but <laughs> when I mean, you tried as many things as I have with your writing career. You kind of you're, you're ready. You're ready for them not to do what they did for everybody else. You know, I I I I I, I dare even hope that the rapid release will do what it's for me. What it's done for other people. Uh, you know, people seem to have magic pixie dust that they sprinkle on things, I, and it seems to elude me. But you know, we'll give it a best try. So those are the rapid release plans. Nothing's going to happen till you know, July at the earliest. It's all going to be about writing and getting ready for that. Now, the the book bub is good to provide the funds. I've got the thousand for the So Many Lies edit already. The book bub is good to provide the funds for the Stuart Beish covers. So with the book bub in the pot, that's the, that's, um, you know, that's the, the covers sorted for the rapid release. And then I've also commissioned uh, Helen Fazal. When I did Who to Trust, um, Helen had... Um, was unable to edit it um, because of pressures on her time. And so I, what I got is I got a proofread on it rather than edit. I was confident of the story, but I got a proofread rather than edit. And just for consistency of style, I've booked Helen in in, in October, November. It's only a 50,000 word book, so it's not hugely expensive. I just wanted her to, to give it a kind of a, a, a a light edit or a, a you know a proper edit really just for consistency of voice and style um on that book um because it because she she never got to that book so um that will be the last one i re-release as, as part of the thrillers if i if i do that so i know that's all very uh, kind of complicated but um it all should work as a plan that's what i'm hoping 
So that's kind of where we are with 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 rapid re-release. All I got to do is sit down and write, write, write up to the end of uh, January. I'll let you know about this thing that's kind of in the background. If it comes up, I'll let you know as of when I can uh, talk about it. It may just die death. Um, you know, it, it might not come to anything, in which case I will just keep writing the military sci-fis and try and get the seven out. So it'll be two trilogies plus, you know, plus a uh, one to wind it up, which seems to be the, the, the kind of done thing with this uh two trilogies two box sets you know two ways of marketing that and then uh, a book that'll just either wind the series up or i guess twist it and, and take it in a new direction we'll just see where we are uh when we get there so a couple of uh bits and pieces you know general writing use for you now um calytics i think i mentioned this recently that i bought two calytics reports one for thrillers one for sci-fi and I, this is something i've kind of always avoided really and i don't know why i've heard a few people talk about how useful calytics is so i thought oh what the what the heck i'd always assumed it was a fortune and and i got an advert in my facebook feed it was 37 dollars, i think it was for a report and i thought well, that's you know what is that 25 quid maybe a little bit more um and i thought oh what the heck i'm, I'm gonna buy these and i gotta tell you i love them the data in those calytics reports is fantastic and last uh weekend i was taking the keywords what well, basically what um calytics do is they they tell you the hot to trot categories many of which are underserved and what I found last week is I, uh, I I was onto Amazon too to change my categories. I found a really hot um, category according to Calytics for thrillers, which um, is underserved, and but which is very hot. And so I contacted Amazon and changed. It was perfect for Don't Tell Meg actually. So I I've changed Don't Tell Meg or I've asked um, Kindle to put it into these two categories now. The, the thinking behind that is number one, if Calytics is telling me this is a hot category, but it's not competitive, it makes sense for me to move in there if I have a perfect fit book, which I do. But secondly, when we come to the promo on Don't Tell Meg with BookBub, it, because it's in a, hopefully a hot, less competitive category, it might mean that we could move that book, um, up the rankings higher. So that's my thinking with that. Uh, it also gave me some great keywords. So I've always been very, negligence I guess with my keywords in in the Amazon the KDP dashboard and I I haven't really had much of a clue what to do with them I just put very poor keywords in there really and so what I did is in both reports in the sci-fi report and and the thrillers report I took seven of their hot keywords that they suggested and replaced my duffer keywords with with their keywords so hopefully I've got some more strategic uh, hotter, more intelligent keywords now in my book. So that, that means they should get found organically more easily. And uh, I haven't got around to it yet. Obviously, for, for obvious reasons, it's been busy this week. Um, but I'll move a lot of those keywords to make sure they're reflected in my Amazon ads as well. And they're in those keyword lists too. But I, I'm very impressed with the Calytics stuff. And they gave me a, a complimentary upgrade this week to Calytics Basic Lifetime. I haven't got a clue what that means, uh, but whatever it is, I got the upgrade. Um, but I was finding it, it's really good value. I'm, I'm now a Calytics guy. I should be, I should be keeping up with this stuff and, um, you know, watching these categories, looking for these new hot categories. It's good stuff. So if you haven't checked out Calytics yet, um, recommend it. Just to mention, I just put a little separate note here. The Stuart Bache covers in July, that's going to cost me $1,800. And having learned my lesson from last time, I budgeted the VAT for this. That's <laughs> well, Do you remember? I got caught out with a VAT last time. I completely forgot to budget for the VAT. Um, so the VAT is budgeted this time. Uh, I've actually over-budgeted for the covers this time to allow for fluctuations in the dollar and all sorts. So, um, But it did, it did kind of strike me this week. How much of, of what we do as writers is, is just the same as a business. We're running a business because the, I had to find the money. I've, I've, I've budgeted the money for a thousand pound edit from Helen. I've also put just short of 500 by to pay for the book bub. I have to pay 500 quid for the book bub promo before it even runs, almost a month before it runs, and three months before I start taking the cash back off that in my payments. So this is very much like a business. It's very much like a cash flow. Um, Stuart Bache's time scale suits me well 
because um, he's going to want paying in July. By the time Stuart wants paying, I'm going to have the money coming in from the BookBub promo. That will all be in my pocket rather than just uh, a number on a dashboard by that stage. And also I've had to project the money that I think I'm going to get. So I very cautiously projected income from the BookBub. And I've, I've projected at 50% of my last earnings or the last BookBub. So I always expect degradation in, in what I'm earning on BookBub. I always expect it to go down because many people will have seen the book already, of course. Um, so I expect the earnings to go down. If you remember last time, I, uh, first time Don't Tell Meg was on a BookBub, it was Amazon exclusive. Second time it was wide. I made the same money both times. There wasn't really any drop in the money uh, that time, except I would say in the long tail, that is the months afterwards, I think I did better being Amazon exclusive because I got more reads. The, the reads are really worth having. Um, but I went wide again this time uh, with Don't Tell Meg, and that's what I've got the book bub for, so wide it will be. And um, But I've very cautiously budgeted for half of the income that I got last time, uh, just to ensure that any expenses that I'm committing to, I can be pretty sure of paying as a result of that. But, uh, you know, we are a small business as authors. We've got cash flow. We have to make sure we've got the cash in to pay the bills. We have to make sure that we don't overcommit. And there's always this element of randomness. You know, how much am I going to make from a book bub? If I made $500, I wouldn't even cover my costs. You always have to allow, or you always have to, prepare or be aware that that might be an eventuality so um yeah i have felt very much like i'm running a business this week with my project predictions and time scales and working out when i'm going to have the money for whatever um and as you know my strategy with my business or my author business is to bootstrap it so the money has to come in uh before it goes out it doesn't come out of my pocket it doesn't come out of the household budget everything has to be paid for from money in from income um, from the books. So uh, that's kind of how I work it. And the book bubs have been incredibly um, freeing in that respect, in that they give you such a bump in your income. They really help you kind of, um, you know, I was saying to my wife last night when we were chatting, um, as I said to her, I'm not doing training anymore at the moment. The reason I'm not doing training is because the book bubs have brought the cash flow in to do the things that I used to do the training for, to pay for the covers, the edits and things like that. But the, the business is self-fueling itself. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm not making enough money. Sometimes I feel like it's not going well enough. But since November of 2017, since I got that first book bub, the business is fueling itself now. I'm not having to do anything else to, 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 you know, to add to this. I'm still not in a position where I can take some income out. Now, actually, I am going to take some income out this tax year, just a small amount of income out this tax year. Um, but, um, you know, if I would, if I, if I stopped writing the books at some point and just marketed them and, and wrote no more books, the income that I was making off the book bubs, I could take as income. It's only because I'm creating more books. I'm, you know, I'm constantly bootstrapping the business. I'm not really taking an income out of it. But at the point at which I stopped producing books and I just wheeled out my back catalogue and just kept going into the book bub cycle, um, that I would be able to take that as income and it would generate you know, a half reasonable income now, it's certainly enough for a couple of good holidays a year. Um, so it does, uh, you know, it's still frustrating as heck. You know, we're still not getting where we want to be. But at least it's it's changing. It is. It is. There have have been some changes. It is getting better. Um, let's really say. I think the next stage of that is that combination of book bubs and rapid release. Let's see if we can move the needle again this year with that strategy because that's really what I need to do. I had a bargain booksy this week. I think I mentioned it to you last week. It cost me fifty five dollars. I got to tell you, I didn't make that money back. Um, I had a, f a small flurry of sales on Amazon. Uh, I was looking at draft the digital today. It's always hard with draft the digital because the money comes in the, on, on a delay. Um, but I, I made some sales on, uh, Apple predominantly. I think the numbers were showing. Um, uh, it's, it wasn't very good. It didn't work very well, um, at all. Uh, and I don't think I'll even make that money back. Now, when I say I don't think I'll make that money back, the, it's the first in a series. So if some of those people, I mean, the, I, the difference is, I guess, if you get a free book, you're not targeted at all. You're just thinking, oh, that looks good, that looks good. And you're loading up and you may or may not get to reading it. When you buy a book, 
you could be reasonably sure those people are going to read it. And my read throughs good on Don't Tell Meg. So I may make that money back in, in the long run in terms of people. If they go on to buy books two and three, I'll make, I'll make my money back. But it wasn't like one of those promos where you say, wow, that was a resounding and immediate success. I think out the gate, it's a fine line as to whether I'm going to make my money back. I don't think I will. Longer term, if it pushes sales to books two and three, then, then I will reasonably easily cover my costs on that but it was not spectacular now why wasn't it spectacular well um when i listed the book i was i was looking at what it looked like on the on the page promo yesterday and um sometimes when you submit the text it's not immediately obvious how it's going to look on the page promo but to me i maybe set up too many barriers to buying so i'd flagged up that the book was the first in a trilogy I'd flagged up that it had some sexual scenes, scenes of a sexual nature is the, I think the phrase I used. So I put all that up front and I only had a small amount of blurb. And when I was looking at it on the page, I thought maybe I've raised too many objections. Maybe I should have just shut up, uh, you know, um, and, and just done a sexy blurb, you know, that was enticing. And then when they clicked through to buy it on Amazon or wherever they bought it, they'd have seen that it's the first book in a trilogy and that there are some scenes of a sexual nature in the kind of in the kindle the amazon blurb that's probably what i should have done so that may be my fault for interrupting the conversions but it didn't set the world on fire that promo i will try some more 99 cents promo so uh because i just want to see if there's anything kind of in that um also over the weekend uh i updated was it at the weekend i can't remember when it was um i took my secret bunker books which, if you remember, Helena did an edit on. I've then done my edits on the three Secret Bugger books, the updated versions. I'd got my uh, proofreads on the author notes. So I added the new author notes in, created all the many, many files that I needed for the Secret Bunker, and published now in ebook form Secret Bunker 1, 2, 3. I published it as Secret Bunker 2 and 3, and Secret Bunker 1, 2, 3. Uh, uh, the trilogy, the box set. So I had to do all those combos. Plus I had to create a 10% sampler as well, uh, because I use that. If I'm in uh, KDP Select, you can, you can still share 10% samplers. So I also produced the sampler for that book as well, uh, to go on, um, Insta Freebie if I ever, if I use it again and Book Funnel. So that took, uh, not a huge amount of time, but it was all done in vellum. It's, it, the, the biggest problem with it mainly is just making sure you've got all the combinations right. Because when I put my books in a promo, I have, um, do you remember I told you that I, I sell a seven pack of sci-fi books and a seven pack of thrillers on pay hip. So I take the money directly from those. And when I give the books away on, on book promos, I use a version of the book that upsells people to the seven pack. So they get, you know, seven pack in any uh, of the thrillers if they're reading any of my individual thrillers and they get the seven pack of the sci-fis if they read any individual sci-fis. So I have to make a version with that upsell offer with, with the upsell offer without the off, uh, upsell offer. It doesn't go in books I'm selling, but it does go in books I'm giving away. And by the way, uh, just to update you on that, I have a steady trickle of Stripe sales from selling books directly. I've never had uh, using BookFunnel and Stripe for payments. I've never had a customer uh, problem to date. Touchwood. No, no one said, "Oh, I didn't get my book. How do I do this? I don't like this. I want to refund." I've, I haven't had that. It just autumn. I just keep every now and then I get a sale coming through. Uh, the money goes in my account within a couple of days. Uh, it's very quick um, when it's coming through Stripe and uh, or Stroke Pay Hip, and um, it just chugs along. It's just another source of income. So if you have toyed with that idea, um, it's it, you know in a small way, it's not setting the world on fire, but in a small way, it is bringing in some extra income from those books. So that's the secret bunker books done. Now, um, paperbacks. I I had intended to do this. I had to write to Frostbite Publishing and say, sorry, you're going to have to give me another week to sort this out because of obviously the disruption this week. But but, but what I've also done is um, having created those files uh, in Vellum, I exported them from Vellum into RTF files and then saved as a docx file. Are you, are you following this? <laughs> I know it's horrible, isn't it? Um, as a docx file. I just had to do some tiny little bits. When Vellum, when you export from Vellum into an RTF file, for some reason, 
it indents the first line of a paragraph. And, and I, I think people do different things, but I don't indent the first line of a paragraph. I, I indent all subsequent lines on a paragraph. So I had to go through and manually adjust those. I made one or two tiny manual adjustments for the paperback version. And I've now sent those off to Frostbite Publishing where they will be manually um, formatted for me because um, it was just too complicated for me to do it in vellum. To, to, I think it's widows and orphans. I think that's the right phrase. But to sort all the widows and orphans, oh, I can't even do this in vellum. I'm just going to hand this over to a, a formatter and they can do that. So when those come back formatted, I will then reload them to uh, the U equivalent of Create Space, the Amazon paperback kind of outlet. And I will put them on Ingram Spark. And I will send the secret bunker their copies, hopefully just in the nick of time for March the 1st, when the new season begins, along with those stickers uh, that they can put on them that say, you know, newly revised for the 25th anniversary of the opening of the bunker to the public. So that's all good. Done quite a lot with the secret bunker uh, this week, actually. Um, now, when I was looking at the um, books in Ingram Spark, I've done something quite radical this week in that I've now decided to delist all paper books except for the Secret Bunker trilogy at Ingram Spark. Now, the reason with that is, is I've, I've had this, um, I, I probably told you about this weeks ago before Christmas, where I've been updating files in Vellum. Um, sometimes the, the spine width of the book isn't the same as when I originally got them done in Word. And so you end up with some quite nasty messing around problems, trying to get your spine widths correct. Um, and in Ingram Spark, you don't get the, the cover creator that you get when you do it in, in Kindle. So in Ingram Spark, you've got to have a kind of proper paperback cover done. And of course, I've paid for these now, and they were set to the spine width of the original text in those books and I, and I had this ongoing problem with the grid in that I could not sort the blasted spine out and I couldn't you know the 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 number of pages in the book had changed fractionally and I don't want to pay if I get covers on the grid I'm getting new covers on the grid to match my military sci-fi style I'm, I, I don't want to pay again to get the original cover readjusted for you know for the updated grid so the other thing is, when I was looking at Ingram Spark, I thought, why on earth do I even put the grid in Ingram Spark? Because I don't sell anything there. Uh, you know, I don't sell virtually, I don't think I sell anything of the grid in paperback virtually. Um, I may be selling a few more now. I'll have to look at my stats because it was only a book bub recently. So there'd be more people all over it, but I never really sold paperbacks of the grid. So I just thought, I don't, do you know what? this is, I don't know whether you've heard of the 80-20 rule, but I was like putting 80% effort in to try and resolve this spine issue for 20% of the results, i.e. very small results. And I just thought when I was looking at it there, I don't need any of these blasted books in Ingram Spark. The only one I want in Ingram Spark is the secret bunker. And the reason I want the secret bunker in Ingram Spark is because the secret bunker had requested that I make that book available through their normal ordering channels so they can buy it with the normal discounts so they can stock it in the shop. And because the secret bunker shop sells you know, a decent amount of copies, enough to make a difference in the world, I want to help them with that. So um, really, The Secret Bunker at the moment is the only paperback I need in Ingram Spark uh, on, on that wide distribution. Really, the only reason I have my book in, my books in paperback form is as a service to people who want to read my books. They, If they want to read it in paperback, it's available. But it's not, you know, I probably sell 90% of books in ebook form. Um, that's where I'm flogging the book. So to me, I know that long term, you should probably have paperbacks, but in the short term, it's not a big deal to me. And they are all available. Um, they are all available in paperback form, just not, not wide in the way that they would be in Ingram Spark. So I just wrote to Ingram Spark this week and I said, will you unpublish please all those grids? And, uh, I think I had Burden of Guilt on there as well, which at one time I'd intended to put in a, in the, um, kind of tourist information office in, uh, in, and possibly even in Speed Bridge where it's set because I'm going to revamp that book and re-release it. No point doing that now. So I took that off. It's going to have a new title probably as well. So I just, I took the book off. No point bothering with those. And the only three books I have now in Ingram Spark are the secret bunker. When I get those files back from Frostbite Publishing, I will re-upload those books 
and then send them to the secret bunker. They will be available through the, the Amazon paperback platform and on wide distribution via the uh, Ingram Spark platform. So that, that's why I made that decision. It's an 80-20 rule thing. Put your effort where you make the money. Don't, don't spend all your time on things that make you no money. It's a simple, simple business decision. So um, I've been doing a lot with The Secret Bunker this week. Um, you know, I really, I think this would be remarkable. If I can get a book bub on The Secret Bunker, you know, my oldest book, my first book, the book that I was most uncertain about, and that's now been re-edited and now I'm feeling much more confident with it. Um, I think that would be remarkable. And I think it would demonstrate something really important that books are assets. And at any point in our writing career, you can make money from an old book. I did that with The Grid last year. I made more money from The Grid than I've ever made in it last year because I got a book bub. And I'm hoping, if I'm persistent, that this will happen with The Secret Bunker at some point too. So I, I was a little bit strategic. When I told you last week, uh, I'd forgotten to mention something, just a, just a little theory I'm testing with book bubs. And I told you last week that when I submitted don't tell Meg to book Bob. I had, I had no expectation that they'd take it first time round. I just literally filled in the slots, didn't even put a comment in there and sent it off. But there was one thing that I wanted to mention to you that I had done. And I'm testing this theory with the secret bunker because I can submit the secret bunker for a book bub again on the 16th of February. And I'm just being mindful that I'm, I'm kind of ready to submit on the 15th of February again. So. One of the things I was doing on Don't Tell Meg at the time that I got this book bub, this next book bub, is I had ads running on it. And I wondered if there was any correlation between submitting a book to book bub and maybe you putting a bit of money behind your book already to advertise it on, on book bub ads. So what I've done this week is I've used book brush, which I'll talk to you about in a moment, to create some bespoke adverts for 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 the bookbub regular ads the paper click ads and i've created two bespoke secret bunker adverts on uh, book brush and started to run those so that the ads will have been running by the time they come to look at my account next saturday when i submit for hopefully another bookbub deal i'll let you know how i get on but i i it was just something that occurred to me that i thought i'd better mention to you that is, I don't know, and I don't know whether anybody's got any experience of this, but I wondered if there might be a correlation between me kind of supporting my book through ads and BookBub saying, yes, you've got a book ad. So I'm just testing it. Let's see how I get on next week when I submit to the secret bunker to BookBub. I'm really keen to get a BookBub on that book if I can. Now, I think I've already said to you, if I do get a BookBub on the secret bunker, and if I get a second BookBub on the Grid Trilogy this year, um, that money will go into probably creating new covers for my seven sci-fi books to make them look like they're all part of the series because they are in actual fact, um, uh, to, to link them together to give them stronger branding. And then, dare I say it, if the rapid releases have been effective with the thrillers and the military sci-fis, I would then consider doing a rapid re-release of my Secret Bunker Grid and Phase 6 stories as well. Um, but I, I can't imagine that I could possibly have time for that until till next year. But if I get the book and bring the money in, I can at least start to work on that and get and pay for the covers from that income. So that's just a kind of far off plan, but it is something that I would be quite keen to do, I think, uh, to just bring those books together. Because again, I wrote The Secret Bunker, and when I wrote The Grid, The Grid, the grid came out of an idea in The Secret Bunker, um, it was just a, a concept that I'd used in the secret bunker that I developed. And then it was really only when I was writing it that I thought, actually, these could be very easily linked, these worlds. And I linked them in phase six, which is my standalone sci-fi book. And then I've, I've also in, in the back of my head got another trilogy written around the world of the secret bunker and the grid that brings the books together and resolves them. So, um, you know, potentially that's got more legs in it. Um, but I, I would, I wouldn't write that last trilogy before I'd started making some decent money off those books to justify it. You know, got got a decent readership behind it. And really, the next part of that is getting a book bub for The Secret Bunker to get some new traffic over an improved book. So, uh, 16th of February, I resubmit The Secret Bunker for a book bub. I'll let you know how we get on with that. Oh, um, last thing to mention before I go to this week's tweets is Book Brush. You'll remember that I'd, I'd recommend Book Brush to you a couple of weeks ago. Can't remember where I heard it. It was one of the podcasts I've started to listen to, one of the new ones. And I tested it out straight away. 
got a free account, didn't do much with it. Then the people who uh, run BookBrush must have had a Google alert on or something and they'd found out that I mentioned them. They offered me a 50% discount to give it a try. So I thought, wait, so it was peanuts for the year, about £35 for the year, something like that. With a 50% discount, I'd seen enough to know that it looked good. So I got the, I, I paid for that. And uh, this week, uh, last night, in fact, I used it in anger, really, to create some bespoke BookBub ads, pay-per-click ads. And I love it. Uh, it's really good because uh, I, um, it wasn't immediately obviously how I did a couple of things, which is why I'd set it aside. Um, I was trying to work out how to do the bespoke buttons that I wanted. I figured that out now. It's really easy. And, um, I brought in some secret bunker images that I'd got and I'm really pleased with these bespoke ads. So when you advertise on BookBub, this is pay-per-click ads, by the way, not the big email marketing ads that you put the expensive ones. Um, normally you, you pick the book and by default, it will create a little advert for you. It'll give you a little bit of room for text and it will give you a little bit of room for the button. And you don't really have enough letters on the button to make it read it, say anything interesting. Um, I think basically you could, you know, read it now, read free. There's not many combinations you, you get on those buttons. So, um, what, what BookBrush does, it allows you to create beautifully sized BookBub ads and not just BookBub, by the way, every ad channel pretty well that you can think of, but I was using it for BookBub and the ads there, I think 300 by 250 off the top of my head. It creates a, a palette size for you, 300 by 250. I pulled in some nice background images I got. I put text on there. The other thing I love about BookBrush, by the way, is it, um, it lets you pull um, your kind of Kindle cover in and then it will let you insert it. It does a nice little graphical remix where you can have it like on a, a 3D cover or as I, I've got mine on e-reader screens. You could even have somebody somebody's hand poking up with a mobile phone with your book on it. It does all of this for you. So it's a bit like Canva but it's completely geared. In the way that Canva is very general and, and much more social media-y, BookBrush is completely geared to authors. It's all about authors. And so it has um, Amazon five-star buttons on it. It's got Amazon buttons. It's got BookBub buttons. It's got Smashwords, I think, on there as well. All the buttons and the logos that you would need as an author, they're all on there in the way that with Canva, I've, I've kind of tried to achieve this on Canva. Canva's not quite there. You have to kind of, you'd have to make all this stuff yourself on Canva. So think of it as easy as Canva, but completely dedicated to what authors need. So I've got to tell you, having made these ads, I'll put them on this week's show notes, by the way. If you want to have a look at the two ads I made, they're at selfpublishingjourneys.com, episode 139. I've put the two adverts that I'm using currently on BookBub, and you can take a look at those. They were made with BookBrush very easily and very quickly, I hasten to add. So um, I am going to recommend BookBrush to you. Uh, you don't have to pay for it. Um, you can get it for free. Um, and, you know, it's perfectly all right for free. The free version is great, um, but a very useful little tool. If you're doing any kind of advertising or graphics creation, I would recommend as an author uh, that you have Canva and BookBrush in your armory. It's a good bit of kit. Pleased I discovered it. On Twitter this week, uh, basically, I've got two kind of tweets or replies from Judy Cordiner, who's a former guest on this show, and Alyssa Grosso, who's also a former guest on this show. Julie's responding to the fact that I've got this book written in three weeks and says, are you sure you haven't cloned yourself, Paul? And Alyssa says, hi, Paul, just listened to the latest podcast and wanted to chime in that I, too, have not been successful in doing anything but spending money with Amazon's new lock screen ads. Also wanted to add that I'm in awe of and a bit envious of your writing progress. Well, come on, Alyssa, you've been at this long enough to know that it's butt in chair, schedule the time and just get the writing done. Um, but uh, Alyssa and Julie are both previous guests on this show. Um, just to add to what Alyssa said there about the uh, the lock screen ads, I'm just trying a new strategy this week, which is to bid very low on the lock screen ads, but to put my budget very high and to put an end date on it to see if I could force them through. Too early to give you any data on that yet, but I didn't want to be paying for the lock screen ad, seeing as the conversions are low. I wanted to try and get my purchase price really, really low, and then to try and force Amazon to show it more at a lower price to see if I could kind of, um, you know, get a lot of traffic at a low price that then means that the lower conversions work for me. So that's kind of what I'm doing with that at the moment. Well, I'll let you know if it works, but I'm playing around a lot with the Amazon ads. And by the way, getting um, a lot of value from Brian Cohen's new podcast, 
which is, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Writers? I can't remember what it's called, but he's got a new podcast in which he, he just goes through his Amazon ads and he talks about the things he's trying. As I'm listening to Brian, it's firing off things in my head, uh, making me think, oh, I'll give that a try. Let's give that a try. Let's try squeezing that budget. Let's try forcing the date to make it display the ads more regularly. So getting a lot of value from Brian's podcast at the moment. And again, recommend that you give it a listen because it might help you with your own Amazon ads. Well, that's it. Almost an hour this week. Sorry about that. Another long one. Um, I hope you found it uh, informative. Uh, Clearly, we've got a bit of a week ahead of us this week, but I will be back to do another podcast diary uh, by Friday evening. So there will be another podcast diary for you on Saturday, the 16th of February. Um, So I'll let you know how I got on with that. There won't be any writing done at all no you won't hear of any writing done next week oh so you, you will you'll hear of sunday's writing so you'll get you know five thousand words on sunday if i hit my target but there won't be any other writing done next week so um those of you who are kind of a bit intimidated by the writing speed at the moment you can relax you don't have to worry next week i hope you have a fantastic week of writing or editing whatever you're up to speak to you next saturday bye-bye for now thanks for listening to paul's podcast diary make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.